0: We will control the horizontal. We will control
1: the vertical. Just one more thing. Hey now! Oh boy. Holy Mechanical Armies! Mom always liked you best. Oh, she did. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you wanted to be one way. What is the other way?
1: What are
0: these days? Are we having fun yet?
1: It's gonna be legend. Wait for it.
0: Now, you might very well think that,
2: but of course I couldn't possibly comment.
1: Bertie Hellens agreed. Oh, come on! Missed it by that much. Good evening.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Televerse, Sound On new TV podcast. I'm Kate Kulczyk, joined by...
1: Mr. Simon Howell.
2: This is going to be the uh, fun this week. We're doing Emmys. Are you excited?
1: I, award shows are a mystery to me. I'll never understand their appeal... Uh, their constant pull, but I mean, hey, if we if we've got to if we've got to do it, we got to do it.
2: <laughs> That's a nice uh, you know sense of enthusiasm. Before we get to the Emmys, we're gonna talk a little bit about the things that we've been watching this week. The new fall season hasn't started up yet. None of our our shows that we're gonna be following have really started their season it's been the wrap-up really of, of the summer season lots of finales this week
1: yeah uh including at least one series finale well actually more than one series finale but only one we're actually going to talk about
2: there was nothing that we really i didn't catch anything on tuesdays
1: uh no i don't think so
2: okay so on wednesday i've been enjoying the hour i think it's a bbc show that they're replaying in bbc america and it just had its fourth episode of six i've been really enjoying the structure of the show because it's so few episodes it's a it's a period piece set at a, a news program at the BBC and but there's all sorts of um, conspiracy elements to it and one of the things that I'm really enjoying about it besides getting sort of the British perspective on on history because I know nothing about what was going on in England during the 50s for me the 50s are all I don't know I love Lucy and that you know the stuff going on over here so it's been fun but more than that I, I enjoy conspiracy kind of shows. When you only have six episodes, you kind of have, you know, things have to keep moving. And so it's it's been a nice show to watch for that. So it's it's been fun, good tone. And I've, it's caused me to realize that if anything has a jazz score, that's pretty much all it takes for me to love it. So
1: You're going to really enjoy season two of Louie when you get to that, because that's all
2: jazz. Nice. So The Hour and then also Top Chef, Just Desserts has started up. I was a little concerned that I was going to already be at my bitchiness threshold for that series but the second and third episodes have been a lot of fun so apparently I'm hooked back in so I thought I was gonna you know maybe give the season a pass but then every time I try to 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 stop watching one of these reality shows that I'm invested in they always find a way to 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 hook me back in so and next week it's all Willy Wonka stuff so I'm really looking forward to that so yes Top Chef Just Desserts has been fun as well and that's my Wednesday so far. Uh, so you have one of our finales.
1: Yeah. Rescue Me is a, is a tricky, tricky proposition because it, it's run so long, I gave up on the show repeatedly only to come back and check out what it's doing because it had a pattern wherein the beginning of the season would be fun and light and really funny and then would gradually degrade itself and become heavy and impossible to watch especially the the lyric character i did decide to check out the last two episodes just to see how it wrapped up it's not often that i quit on a show only to come back just to see how it wrapped up i remember doing that for six feet under i might do it for weeds if it when it ever decides to end but i have to say watching those last two episodes there were some great elements and there were some frustrating elements like there were through the entire run of the show John Skurdy continued to be amazing, and some of the other performers are great as well. But I didn't get the feeling that I'd missed a whole lot. Coming back to those last two episodes, I I didn't feel like I'd, I'd missed any major developments that I really regretted missing. Uh, every Everything from Damien in a wheelchair to uh, Black Sean getting married. I mean, this was stuff that – it was easy to put the pieces together, and it was also obvious that the writing hadn't really advanced from – their previous issues. Leary's character is still insufferable and still manages to bed everyone. And the ending is somewhat graceful, but all, but, but not transcendent. I mean, uh, there's, there's word that Leary might be getting his own half hour. I'll do what I want thing modeled after, after what Louis CK has been doing. I'd be shocked if he could pull it off, Uh, but we'll see what happens.
2: Interesting. Okay. I don't have anything on Thursdays because I'm woefully behind. I have not watched Louie. I have not caught up with Futurama. Um, So why don't you go ahead and talk about your Thursday shows?
1: I haven't caught up on Wilfred, but I did watch three episodes yesterday, uh, the first three episodes, and I'm not totally sold on it yet. I do think it has a comic rhythm that's very fun. It's, it's almost, I mean, there's some family guy involvement in terms of the personnel and you almost get that level of comic rhythm except on a live action series, which is interesting. I really like Elijah Wood as a lead. I think he's very funny and very very fun to watch and he's sort of got an unusual presence for a leading man. I'm not sure where it's headed. I'm not sure ha- how into the mythology of the show they're, they're going to get, but I, I do like that they don't even try to justify the logic that they're working with. You know, the, the the physics of having a guy in a dog costume who everyone else sees as a dog, it's never reconciled at all, and they are totally okay with that, and that, that, that aspect is fun. I'll probably watch the rest of the season, or at least uh, the next few episodes. If there's no progression, I'll probably drop it, but I, I do think it's doing interesting things. This week, we also got the finale of Futurama. They have a history of doing sort of uh, tripartite episodes, usually a, a set of disconnected stories. This week, they did something a little bit different wherein they had three segments that were linked by this diamundium element that were animated in totally different ways. Uh, The first being like a classic 1920s, 30s cartoon. The second one being like an 8-bit video game. And the third segment, and my favorite, being an anime knockoff. Futurama is another really frustrating show, because when they're on, there are few things more purely enjoyable than a great episode of Futurama, I think this was not one of those like transcendent amazing episodes, mostly because it didn't have that element of tenderness that I think their best episodes have, but it was a hell of a lot of fun. And whenever they do a pastiche like this or a parody, they do it next level. I mean, the attention to detail was incredible, I think in all three segments. And I I just wish that they were firing on all cylinders all the time because generally speaking, Futurama is just okay.
2: Yeah. I, I love Futurama at least the the older series from before it got canceled. And I've caught it since it came back just intermittently, which is telling because of how much I really loved the first, was it four seasons of the show. I heard so much praise for the finale that I did just watch that one episode, and I thought it was fun. I preferred the first segment over the other two, but it was fun. And I really I always love those Anthology of Interest episodes, so it was nice to see them do that again, but... Yeah, it's still while I did really like it, it didn't prompt me to feel guilty for having, you know, sort of dropped the show somewhat during the summer.
1: Yeah, same here. So Louis? Louis, 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 Louis. I love Louis in ways that I'm not sure I can I can elaborate in public. <sighs> I think the second season's just been spectacular. It, it ended last week, and it's funny because the twelfth episode, it's it seemed to hint that he was finally gonna get into serialization, finally start connecting the episodes to each other in a in a serious way, and then he totally did not do that, which is which is a very Louis thing to happen. The final episode brought back the Pamela Adlon uh, figure, who was a really strong, probably the strongest connective tissue the entire season had. And also the, the source of its most like surprisingly emotional moments. And the last sequence uh, was a testament to, to how great her character is and how great their rapport is, because occasionally they'll stick him with someone, for instance, in the Joan Rivers episode, when they have a scene together. It's slightly awkward because they don't have that experience together. And he's not necessarily a great actor, which is something that he's he sh- themed an entire episode around. So if he's stuck with someone who he has no rapport with, it doesn't necessarily work sometimes it's surprising who it does work with for instance the Dane Cook episode really worked but of course they had that personal background to draw from I think Louis season two is was was great because well for a few reasons and I don't want to take forever doing it but I I love the way he comments on on society and isn't afraid of fart jokes at the same time (laughs) he uh (laughs) I love the way he's—he constantly comes back to this idea of privilege, you know, upper class privilege, white privilege, uh, and, and talks about class and child rearing, and 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 serious stuff that that many other shows are talking about. Except when he does it, it's it feels real and it feels like he's commenting on things that are actually happening. And he and he does it in a way that isn't necessarily preaching to the converted. I think the Afghanistan episode, for instance, Duckling, uh, was brilliant in the way that well, first of all, in it, the, the fact that he totally discarded TV formatting for that episode was quite ballsy. There's a music cue that starts before a commercial break, then the break happens, and then the the, the cue literally comes back right where it was when the when the break comes back, and he is not paying any attention to format, which is a, a frequent thing, but also the way that he does an episode that is completely in support of the soldiers, that has a, a Christian country singer performing his entire song. And, you know, this is not material that's, you know, this is not typical white liberal material, you know, that that viewers of especially a network like FX are going to be into. And I I think he does it wholeheartedly. And it's also not, you know, material that you would expect from a comedy series. Uh, anyway, I have way too much to say about Louis, but I I thought this the finale was great. The previous week was a bit of a dip and there were a couple of episodes that weren't quite up to par. But I think in general, the second season was a big improvement in terms of direction, in terms of look, in terms of the guests, uh, the, the non louie players who I think were a little bit iffy in parts of the first season. I think they're generally much better here. And I'm really intrigued to see what he does next.
2: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to catching up with this season. It's one of those ones that I, I'm sure I'll pop out during, you know, like Christmas break or something when I have a little time off. And it, it's a strange thing with for me because I don't feel any... Motivation to to run out and watch it right now, I think, because I haven't started the season. But I know that when I do, I'm just gonna mainline it and just go, you know, get on a total Louis C.K. high, and it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Torchwood Miracle Day. It had its finale. I like the first two seasons of Torchwood and absolutely love the third season of Torchwood. The third season of Torchwood is amongst the best science fiction that has ever been on television. And that is not overselling, I can see your expression, that is not overselling it, it's that damn good. So, this fourth season has been incredibly disappointing. It's not been fun to you know, watch Miracle Day, which is the name of the, the fourth season, sort of happen to Torchwood. <laughs> now, that's not to say that there haven't been positive elements, I mean, I, I enjoy watching Captain Jack, the main character, and then Gwen Cooper you know sort of the second main character of the show it's nice to have them on my television just because they're a hell of a lot of fun and the actors John Barrowman and Eve Miles are fantastic but this was a 10 episode series uh, in which almost nothing that mattered to the season-long arc which was it was a very supposedly very arc-based series almost nothing that mattered in the scheme of things happened until the ninth episode. So it was 8 episodes of filler and red herrings and and wasted time. The way I feel about these finales, especially for, you know, really genre-driven shows, is if you're not going to have one hell of a finale, if you're not going to answer the questions that you've been asking, then the journey needs to be fantastic. So, like with lost, a lot of people didn't like the finale, but if nothing else, the journey was fantastic. Unfortunately, the journey wasn't particularly f- fulfilling for me and then the the <laughs> the destination also was not interesting so i I could go on for a while, but there's no i mean it's just all all the positive things that I liked about the series have sort of been overshadowed by the frustrations, but I wrote up a review of of most of the episodes in the season, that which is up on soundonsite.org. So anybody who wants to read my thoughts and post in the comments, there's been some nice back-and-forth discussion, which has been fun between people who are, have been more frustrated and then people who absolutely love Miracle Day. So people can join in on that conversation at soundonsite.org. We'll see if, if Torture comes back next next year for a fifth season, but watch the third season. That's what I tell people. <laughs>
1: now is the is the third season watch? I know it's very short, but is it is it watchable on its own, or do you need the Absolutely. first two seasons for background? Okay,
2: no, you don't anyway, so movie gone from from Torchwood on Saturday it was Dr. Who, and I also have a review of that up on on the website, and it was fantastic they They knocked it out of the park by far the strongest of the three episodes that have aired since the series came back for the second half of season six. It was all focused around one of the companions, Amy and Karen Gillen nailed her performance, and it's a standalone episode that, barring one glaring omission, which I won't get into because I know you haven't seen Doctor Who, so you will have no idea what I'm talking about anyways, there's a glaring omission of her lack of, the lack of conversation about her daughter, but if you set that to one side, it's a fantastic episode full of really strong performances and... It's great to have Doctor Who back, and then Sunday uh, to finish up my genre weekend, as I, as I have been enjoying the past uh, several weeks. We there was the True Blood finale, which was this is the end of season four, and there, again there's a review of of True Blood's past most of the episodes of the season up on SoundOnSite dot org. Um, it was it was good. It was it was a strong finale, but the trouble is that the finale to season four ended at about halfway through the episode. And then they did, you know, they spent some time with the characters. And then they started season five in the last part of the episode. Because they want, you know, they set up all these cliffhangers for things that they're going to do next season. So the, the cliffhangers are, for the most part, all very interesting and it's, you know, very much of a oh, what the how are they going to get out of this? What's going to happen? It really does it's a good tease for the next season but the pacing of the episode felt really off because there's some, you know, it just doesn't really, it, it works as if you view the whole series as one continuous thing but if you're trying to look at a season or an episode by itself, it doesn't really it doesn't work. It's not satisfying in that way. So You know, and then the other thing is that a lot of the problems that they had in season four on True Blood were things that they had to resolve because they had set them up in the season three finale. So I'm worried that they're going to do the same thing next year and we're going to be stuck with four episodes of them having written themselves into a corner. But on its own, there were some really great performances. Uh, Nelson Ellis was fantastic as Lafayette and Marnie. There's a whole possession um, thing going on this season, witches and spirits. and So then it, Nelson Ellis is one of the characters. He's a medium, so he got to do some some interesting things, playing multiple characters. And there were some character deaths, which was much needed because this is a show that has over 10 main characters. Yeah, so it was good, but not as great as the episode last week, which was, I think, uh, a fantastic episode. So sort of mixed.
1: Now, I don't watch True Blood, uh, but I've, one thing I've noticed about – because people comment like crazy on your on both your uh, True Blood and your uh, Torchwood reviews. And one thing I've noticed about True Blood is no one e- seems to agree what the good seasons are
0: <laughs> or what's
1: good about the good seasons or what's bad about the good seasons or what's – no one – there's no agreeance amongst True Blood fans on anything, which I find interesting because usually – I mean I don't find TV is as controversial in that sense usually as, as – as films, um, usually there's some level of agreement, but True Blood seems to be all over the place.
2: It's a it's a bit of a glorious mess of a show, but yeah, and, and it's that's it's a fun show to talk about with people because there is such a wide range of a fan within the True Blood community. So, but I've been talking about True Blood uh, way too long because on Sunday we also had a freaking amazing episode of Breaking Bad. So why don't you go ahead and
1: yeah, Breaking Bad was was. Quite good this week, I thought. I, I feel like in general it's been picking up the last couple of weeks. This, I mean, season three was a slow burn, but this, this is like an ice cold burn. <laughs> this is t- this took forever to get going, and I and I say this as someone who I think is is quite patient. I, I think with Breaking Bad you, you have different joys than with other series. For me, Breaking Bad is all about the direction, the look, the set, sa- the sound, and the, and the music design. Uh, And the performances, it's not it's not necessarily always rewarding on a week to week basis in terms of narrative development or character development or stuff happening, which is (laughs) what you what you, what you associate with television usually. But this week and last week, finally, we're starting to see it's starting to go off in some very chaotic directions. And especially after this week, I have no idea where the season is going. I mean, there's a few things that, you know, eventually have to happen in the show. But uh, with, you know, with Gus being just as maniacal as ever and impossible to read, I I think Gus has really been the the secret weapon of the entire season, because you can't predict what he's doing, what what he's going to do, because he's totally inscrutable. We had that flashback sequence last week wherein we got a little a a little bit of a hint at, at where he's coming from, but still no real answers. And. Giancarlo Esposito is so good in the role that you you want to keep him around, and yet he seems to be constantly under threat from people who are nowhere near as smart as he is. I don't know. He's, he's a. I think he's really, you know, in a weird way anchored. I think he and Hank are really anchoring the show in, in a weird way, even though we got virtually no Hank this week.
2: Oh, but the Hank we got was amazing. I uh, Seriously, that was my favorite. As amazing as that last scene was by far my favorite thing in the entire episode was was the stuff we got with Hank, because I was laughing for the first like 10 minutes straight. It was freaking hilarious.
1: Yeah, in terms of middle-aged dudes uh, singing classic rock in Cars, Eye of the Tiger, Hank's rendition of Eye of the Tiger was maybe not quite as epic as Louis C.K.'s rendition of uh, Who Are You, but it was pretty close, <laughs> and only because we didn't get him doing the entirety of Eye of the Tiger, which would have been quite epic.
2: I would throw Jensen Ackles' uh, Eye of the Tiger... From the supernatural special features in there as well which is pretty hilarious but see i want to see the hank and walt comedy hour now just like the buddy cop movie mm-hmm. of 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 hank you know, hey buddy like that I, <laughs> it was, and and walt just you know oh my god it was hilarious that was fabulous mm-hmm.
1: yeah and, and we also got i mean this season's been really light on action basically the whole season w- was coasting on that shocking first season episode wherein of course Uh, Gus slits a guy's throat and basically (laughs) opens it up like that. It's really since then it's been like virtually no violence. We did get a a nice little slow motion sequence this week. I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like, you know, where where the season's headed? Because I I thought I I used to know. And I think one of the great things about Breaking Bad is they're very, very good at misdirection and they can usually do it without undermining stuff. And I'm going to be, I'll be curious to see if they can still do it by the end of the season. But do you do you feel like you know where we're headed or are you just as confused as I am?
2: I was very surprised by Gus's yes in this episode. I did not anticipate that. I even a little bit. So, I am definitely interested. To, yeah, I I don't quite know where it's going to go. The, my thing with Breaking Bad is that I I think this is the right word. I'm trying to decide if this word is too strong, but I think it's right i hate walt <laughs> i have no interest in him as a character because he just feels like a spoiled baby who decides to throw tantrums and explode his car and act out like a child and so i don't actually in the the writing and the acting of the character are flawless i just don't want to spend any time with him mm-hmm. maybe they're too good i don't know so i have really you know the parts of the episodes that i like are anything with jesse anything with Mike, anything with Gus, anything, you know the Skylar stuff. I usually like so the fact that it seems like that the, the series the season has moved has moved away from spending time with Walt being a pissy little child and towards you know the other characters getting more to do. Yeah, I I don't think I know exactly. I I don't really know where it's going with Skylar. I don't you know I don't really know where it's going with 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 Mike and Gus. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season in a way that I wasn't because mm-hmm. it was feeling like homework.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it 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 was getting it was getting pretty close, even though it's always so great to look at and listen to. But, yeah, it was getting a little a little long in the tooth. Uh, I do think, though, that since they brought Ted Beneke back, that he's a goner. <laughs> That's my one rock solid prediction prediction
2: i was glad that they brought him back because it's sort of like with marie's shoplifting and i really like marie so i'm hoping she gets more to do too but you know because it was feeling like a strange sort of you know we forgot that this plot line happened so i'm always glad when they you know kind of reassure us you know mm-hmm. sort of you know you know we we knew what we were doing with that there's a reason that we haven't touched on it in a while and if you think about the timeline of the show it's been what a matter of months
1: yeah it's 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 extremely condensed yeah, yeah.
2: so between the time that he got walt got diagnosed and and the the relationship started falling apart and skylar had the affair and she stopped having the affair and now it's only it hasn't even been a year so it's it's i think it's important to remember that stuff as far as what's going on so it seems sort of strange that they wouldn't have brought it back but then now they have and so i don't know do you think she's going to give him the money
1: um, I think, unfortunately, I've seen the sneak peek for next week. So I know I know something happens, and I know that it involves Saul, who we didn't see last week, and we haven't seen enough in general in the last few weeks. I hope he gets a lot to do before the season's out, because mm-hmm. I just love Bob Odenkirk in that, that role. He's so, so unexpected and wonderful for him to be on the show. And uh, and you're right, that it, it, it's it's great that they're bringing back these plot lines, even though I'm not, I mean, the whole taking time with Skylar and Ted in that episode was a bit of a bummer, because that, line isn't as interesting as some of the other stuff that's happening, and I do find the whole uh, Skyler is is a secret actress thing that they <laughs> they occasionally come back to is a little weird. Even though I I, I love Anna Gunn and she's great, um, mm-hmm. I mean, w- w- we'll we'll see where things are headed. I, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. The only thing that I'm fairly certain of is I, I'm fairly sure that Gus is scheming to serve up Jesse in one way or another. I I, I think that he is he's playing everyone involved and I have no idea how in the world Walt is ever gonna get the upper hand on anyone because he's as you say, he is a child. He's he's extremely childish and he's nowhere near as conniving or as smart as Gus. And the show's made yeah. that plain at every moment. And even if he does yeah. something clever like, you know, put a bug on on Jesse's car, you know, he's just not he he has certain capacities, but he's just not that smart. So no,
2: no, he's yeah. What when that scene came up, I was just I was literally counting down on my fingers how long it was going to take Walt to make Jesse's situation about him. And it took longer <laughs> than I expected. I was counting down from 10, it took closer <laughs> to 20 seconds. But uh yeah, so he's he's very good at the chemistry and he's very terrible at anything involving relationships. Mm. So and the threat to Gus is not walt even slightly i think it's mike and maybe hank or not really hank but you know the the closing in like mistakes that he might make because things are closing in on him but
1: oh and by the way when you saw that uh that walt was bleeding in the, the first couple of minutes did you have it did you think for a second that it was anybody other than jesse del- doing <laughs> delivering the blows because i was sure right away that it was going to be jesse who gave Hank a, a good, solid beating, and I was very happy when it happened.
2: Yeah, he uh, he's he's had that coming for quite a while. You know, I... I, I feel terrible saying this. I didn't really care, because <laughs> I feel like Walt has... You know, he's been acting out, and he's needed a SmackDown for a couple weeks now, but, yeah, I, I feel like that's such a terrible person to say because I know I'm supposed to love Breaking Bad, because everybody does, because it's so well made, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully, you know, I'm going to enjoy the rest of the season as much as I've enjoyed this this week's episode. Mm-hmm. So.
1: If there's one thing they've been generally very good at, it's endings, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: we'll we'll see, what, especially last season's ending I thought was yeah. spectacular. So, we'll we'll see what happens.
2: Okay, so nothing on Monday, right? Nope. So I caught up this week with the new girl pilot, which uh, is available for those who want to see it ahead of time. On I think it's on demand on Xfinity. So if you have Comcast, you can catch it there. It's probably popped up, you know, online if you if you want to look for it. And I was not looking forward to this based on the press materials, and unfortunately, I correctly anticipated my thoughts on the show because I am not interested in this show. I don't think it's funny. It's I, for me. It's the mere. Evil Image of My Boys, which was a series on TBS that ran for four seasons that I really enjoyed. New Girl just isn't for me, and if you love Zoe Deschanel and her personality and her whole thing, then you'll probably like it. But I'm not interested in in checking out more. I might watch one more episode because one of the main male characters had to be switched out because Damon Wayans Jr. his series Happy Endings got a late pickup. And so rather than recast and redo the pilot, they are just going to write the character out and introduce a new character in the second episode. So that may affect things, but I I highly doubt it. Basically, if you like Zoe Deschanel and you want to watch 30 minutes of quirky, then go for it. If not, give it a wide berth.
1: And it's it's distressing that that show has lived down to expectation because it's like the 10th worst looking sitcom of the new season.
2: Oh, that's, that's, that's cheery and not at all depressing. <laughs> Besides watching my Chicago Bears be victorious in their first game of the season, the other main thing I, I caught up this week with was I gave myself a crash course in in cop TV shows because I'm writing an article. My article this week, it'll come out on Wednesday on Sound On Site is about... TV cops. So I needed to go through and, and fill in some of my gaps. So I watched a couple episodes of Hill Street Blues, Barney Miller, Cagney and Lacey, and Homicide Life on the Street. And uh, shock and astonishment, they're all really good. And there's a reason that people still talk about them as being such great shows. So I, I was really impressed with the the characters in most of them and in the the diversity of the Barney Miller crew is like outstanding and it makes me wish there was more diversity on TV now instead of so many shows being especially comedies being completely whitewashed. I really enjoyed the gender dynamics in Cagney and Lacey and inter- it's interesting watching, you know, Hill Street Blues and then comparing it to homicide and then comparing it to Law and Order or something like that and watching sort of the progression of the procedural cop Real, you know, you know, not shield gritty, but sort of more realistic. Theoretically, um, cop show over over the years. So it was. It's been a. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, now you caught up with uh, some more Buffy this week.
1: I did. Uh, our upcoming DVD shelf that you're going to hear whenever it is. We are finally done talking. Is about Buffy, so I don't want to talk too much. But I did keep watching after that point, um, and I've just finished up the sixth season. Which I thought was mostly pretty good uh, except for the sluggish beginning. I I think Buffy is a show that would have really benefited from a not quite full-length episode order. I think for them 15-16 episodes a season would have been really optimal to trim the fat and uh and tighten the narrative flow a little bit. Of course, that's sacrilege to to most Buffy fans, I'm sure who I'm who love all the digressions and the wacky little moments. And for me, I, I like me. Like you and uh <laughs> But that that being said, I I think it's generally been very enjoyable. I'm 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 curious to check out the other Whedon series. Uh, I may watch. Yes! I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I, watch Firefly next because it's short.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll see. But yeah, I th- I think it's it's definitely got a lot going for it. And even though sometimes, and and I know it shouldn't matter, I know it shouldn't matter, but sometimes I do cringe at the effects. Mm-hmm. Especially especially at the end of the sixth season when they do some pretty when they when they go a little bit beyond their comfort zone i think in terms of what they can really pull off
2: we're talking playing here
1: uh we're talking bunch. yeah we're talking a few things actually okay. that wasn't so bad but the, some of the other stuff was a little wonky but yeah i'm definitely enjoying it
2: so yeah just a, a few things that we watched this week <laughs> you know a lot of fun and it'll be interesting once the this new fall season starts up i mean we have the premiere of ringer and a few of the other shows new fall shows starting this week and then i think after that is when everything starts coming back all the returning shows but
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah we should have a lot more overlap next week
2: yeah less more more dialogue less monologue so um but now let's you know take to a, a quick break and then we'll be back with our uh episode spotlight rather than i think we probably would have talked about breaking bad in our episode spotlight this week but we figured we should do some emmy predictions and talk so we'll do that next right after this i'm not gonna sing tonight no i'm
1: not gonna sing tonight you want me to sing and dance around but I'm gonna let you down cause I'm not gonna do that. I'm just here to do the comedy thing and I'm not gonna sing tonight.
2: Not gonna do that thing where my voice goes high. Not gonna make the beat drop out. <laughs> to bring it back in cause I'm not
1: gonna sing
2: And we're back. That was uh, Justin Timberlake on his SNL monologue singing I'm Not Gonna Sing Tonight, which was the song that won for Best Original Music and Lyrics at the Creative Arts Emmys this past weekend. So that seemed like an appropriate song to get us into into our Emmy picks. So we're gonna kind of run these down in a semi logical order. Let's kick it off with directing in a comedy series. The nominees are How I Met Your Mother for Subway Wars, 30 Rocks Live Show, and then three different episodes of Modern Family, Halloween, Slow Down Your Neighbors, and See You Next Fall. So, uh, which way did you go with this one?
1: They really love Modern Family, don't they? Um, They do. You know, uh, Subway Wars was one of the more inventive episodes of How I Met Your Mother last season, and one of Mm -hmm. the uh, one of the ones that I think captured their sense of fun quite well, and also demonstrated the way they toy with the sitcom format. So I'd have to go with that.
2: I went with Halloween from Modern Family because I felt like they did a really good job of balancing the different characters in that, and the uh, the performances across the board are really strong. So that's why I went with. As directing for a drama series, we have the pilot to Boardwalk Empire. We have the Poison Chalice and Assassin two-parter from the from The Borgias, another Boardwalk Empire with Anastasia, and then Game of Thrones pilot and the Killing pilot. So lots of pilots here.
1: I, I can't not give it to the Game of Thrones pilot because it really, it, it grabbed me right away. I mean, that opening sequence is stunning, and I, I think it does a really great job of of setting the tone for the rest of the series and it's got it's got a lot of heavy lifting to do maybe even more than Boardwalk Empire did in terms of the CGI and building a convincing universe that you haven't seen before so I, I have to i have to give them the nod for that
2: yeah and un- unfortunately and this is going to come up in several of the different categories here uh but i the only one of these that i've actually seen is the game of thrones pilot so i felt just dandy giving it to them um oh good because i've yet to catch up with boardwalk empire or the, or, the, or the killing
1: i did see the the pilots for boardwalk empire and the killing and i i do think that uh You inadvertently made the right choice.
2: Woohoo! Go team! (laughs) Next, we have Outstanding Directing for a Miniseries Movie or Dramatic Special. And the nominees are Carlos, Cinema Verite, uh, Downton Abbey, and Mildred Pierce, and Too Big to Fail.
1: Now, I've heard amazing things about Downton Abbey, but I haven't seen it. I have seen Carlos, and I have seen Mildred Pierce. Carlos is incredible. And I I love you, Todd Haynes, but you cannot you you cannot uh, touch Olivier Assayas's achievement with Carlos. So that's definitely my choice.
2: Mine as well. And again, I've seen Carlos and not seen any of the other nominees, but I feel okay giving this one to Carlos, even though you know that's the case. Just because it's such an outstanding achievement. To move right on, we have outstanding directing for a variety of music or comedy series, and we have American Idol, Colbert rapport. Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Late Show with David Letterman, and SNL with Justin
1: Timberlake. Uh, I I don't think I have any feelings on how late night series are are directed, or or, or rather variety music comedy series. I mean, uh, I always feel like like giving awards to the Colbert Daily Show people because they do such a great job. You know, four days a week, most weeks of the year, they work like hell to produce really consistent television. So I, I'd be happy with either of them winning it.
2: Yeah, I went with The Daily Show just uh, because they tend to have more with with the uh, the shorts and with the the correspondents out on location. So they tend to have more going on than than Colbert. Uh, but so that's why I went with Jon Stewart. So now we're gonna move on to writing. So we have outstanding writing for a comedy series, and the nominees are episodes for episode seven. Uh, louis poker slash divorce modern family caught in the act the office uh and i don't actually have the name of the episode here um unfortunately mm-hmm. and 30 rock reaganate reaganing so mm-hmm. which would you go for this one uh,
1: I, this is a weird submission for louis this is like not an episode that i would have thought of as being a, a necessarily a great showcase for for his writing but uh it's out of the things he's nominated for i think it's the most fitting so i'm going to give it to him
2: and that's why I went with Louis as well. Um, I absolutely loved that particular episode of Modern Family this season, so it was a little it was a little hard for me to pick between those two. But I, I ended up giving that one to Louis C.K. So next we have outstanding writing for a drama series. So that's Friday Night Lights, Always, which was the finale, Game of Thrones, Baylor, uh, The Killing pilot, uh, Mad Men's The Suitcase, and also Blowing Smoke are the nominees
1: there's at least three incredible episodes of tv on this list uh and i'm really torn i'm gonna have to give it to the suitcase uh, because i think that was one that was like a top five episode of the series in general in what i thought was not necessarily its strongest season Uh, i mean the friday night lights finale is strong uh, but i don't think trent i don't think it necessarily uh, is it's not for me like a like one of their greatest episodes it's just it's it's a very good episode uh, I, I, I'm tempted to give it to Baylor also, but I, uh, if it's the episode that I'm thinking that it is, um, but I, uh, yeah, the suitcase wins for me.
2: Yeah. I had a tough time with this category as well for basically the same reasons you just said, except that for me, Friday Night Lights finale was a transcendent, amazing episode. So in what will be a bit of a trend, we'll see here, at least with my picks, uh, where I'm going with Friday Night Lights. Next, we have outstanding writing for a miniseries, movie, or dramatic special, and the nominees are *Downton Abbey*, *Mildred Pierce*, *Sherlock: A Study in Pink*, *Too Big to Fail*, and *Upstairs, Downstairs*.
1: Out of these, I've seen *Sherlock* and I've seen *Mildred Pierce*. You know what? I'm going to give it to *Mildred Pierce* just for just on scope alone. I think it's it, it was such a, such an ambitious project, and I do think even if it's not as uh, as amazing as *Carlos* and I think the, the you know, the, the the sheer melodrama of it makes it not necessarily entirely up my alley. But I th- I think just for scope and ambition, I I have to give it to Mildred Pierce.
2: Unfortunately, again, I've only seen Sherlock of these nominees, so I, I am giving it to Sherlock just because I, I did really love that episode. Or to you know, I guess they're saying it's a mini series, but and, and I thought that Stephen Moffat, who wrote it, did a fantastic job of taking what can be a very difficult. A character and one that we've seen so many times over the years and making it fresh and making it, it completely true to the source material while also putting it into a modern context um in what is in my opinion the the best and uh, closest spiritual successor to the novels that i've seen uh, next, we have Outstanding Writing for variety, variety Music or Comedy Series. So it's Colbert Report, Conan, Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, and SNL.
1: With the caveat that Jimmy Fallon has the best live music on television, uh, I'm going to give it to Daily Show. I think that the, that show is just doing incredible things, uh, both in terms of actually covering news better than news programs do, and in terms of just uh, pr- providing... Hardy lols most nights.
2: While I agree with with your assessment of the Daily Show, for me, I usually get more um, enjoyment out of Colbert Report. So
1: now, I'm guessing in this next category, you haven't actually seen any of these.
2: Um, yes, the c- category we have here is uh, Supporting Actor in a Miniseries or Movie. The nominees are Tom Wilkinson as Joe Kennedy in The Kennedys. Um, and Then we have dual nominations for Mildred Pierce and Too Big to Fail. For Mildred Pierce, it's Guy Pierce as uh, Monty Bergen, and it's also Brian F. O'Byrne as Bert Pierce. And then in Too Big to Fail, it's Paul Giamatti as Ben Bernanke, and James Woods as Richard Fold. So uh, have you seen these?
1: I've only seen Mildred Pierce and uh, between, I mean, you've got four very famous actors and one slightly less famous actor. And I'm going to give it to the slightly less famous guy. I think that uh, Brian F. O'Byrne, he's really only around for the beginning, the end and, and some occasional parts of the middle of Mildred Pierce, but he's a, I think he cuts a really, uh, I, I think he tackles the role in an interesting way. I think he's much more empathetic than you may have expected from someone in, uh, in his position in the, uh, in the film. And I, I, I think he does, uh, I mean, that's par- partially attributable to the writing, but I think he's uh, one of the most intriguing characters in the entire affair. I think even more so than Guy Pierce as uh, Baragon. So I'm going to give it to Oburn.
2: Sounds good. I'll go with that one too. <laughs> um, Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy, and the nominees are Chris Colfer as Kurt on Glee, um, John Cryer as Alan on Two and a Half Men, and then basically the adult cast of of uh, Modern Family, so Jesse Taylor Ferguson, Ed O'Neill, Eric Stone Street, and Ty Burrell. Um, so, which way did you go? Uh,
1: I have to go with Ty Burrell. I mean, uh, he's just the one who can. Cons- I mean, everyone Modern Family is has a really incredible ensemble, but uh, for for me, Ty Burrell is just the one who consistently gets to me. Something about his character just innately cracks me up. I mean, I think right from the pilot, his uh, uncool cool dadness really appeals to me.
2: Yeah, this is a this is a bit of a weird category for me because my pick is is Chris Colfer as Kurt on Glee, and he's not the funniest on this list, and so that was at first I was bothering me cuz I felt like I should pick the person who's the funniest on their show. Um, or who adds the most comedy to the show. But the thing that Chris Colfer does for Glee that these other nominees don't is that on a in a comedy series, he is, I would say, the best actor. So his scenes on that show elevate Glee in a way that no, almost nothing else on that series does.
1: And also in a way that it desperately needs, I think.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And his performance has been it's been um consistently great throughout so while he's doing dramatic work almost exclusively on that show and so therefore it feels like a strange person to reward it's he's in this category because glee is overall a comedy and so the fact that he's doing drama up against characters that are doing comedy feels a little weird to to give him the nod and i love the modern family cast i think they're all I think they're all uh, fantastic. I, I just don't think that any of these other nominees single-handedly lift and elevate their show in the way that Chris Colfer elevates Glee. So Fair enough. Yeah. So now next we have Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. So Peter Dinklage is Tyrion in Game of Thrones. Um, Josh Charles as Will and Alan Cumming as Eli and The Good Wife. Walton Goggins as Boyd in Justified. John Slattery as Roger in *Mad Men*, and Andre Brower is Owen in *Men of a Certain Age*.
1: I've actually seen all of these. This is this is one of the few categories where I can say that. Um, as much as I love all these performances, um, almost equally, and especially, I especially I especially love *The Justified* is getting some attention this year. Uh, it's gotta go to Peter Dinklage. Come on.
2: hmm He's my pick as well. I mean, I haven't seen *Justified*. Yet and I haven't caught up with men of a certain age. And so I keep hearing amazing things about both Walton Goggins and Andre Barrow in in those roles. But Peter Dinklage is amazing in, in Game of Thrones. I, I think the he submitted Baylor um as his episode, uh, or one of the episodes that he, he sent in, and he's just phenomenal in that role. Uh it's a it's an amazing character. And they were so, so lucky that Peter Dinklage decided he w- he wanted to do some TV because He just knocks it out of the park every single week
1: and to anyone who complains about his accent uh there's a very you know oh he's that's not a real english accent or whatever well he's not in england yeah exactly it's a westeros accent so deal with it
2: yeah um next we have outstanding supporting actress in a mini series or movie so uh downton abbey uh maggie smith is violet um, upstairs, Downstairs, Eileen Atkins as Lady Maud Holland. And then the Mildred Pierce <laughs> female cast. So Evan Rachel Wood, Melissa Leo, and Mare Winningham.
1: It's, you know, I, I am usually not an Evan, Evan Rachel Wood fan. She does nothing for me. However, I think as a sniveling little brat, and as several other words I'm not going to use on this podcast, she's uh, she's very appropriate and uh, and really goes all in in ways that you may not be expecting. So I, I, I have to give the nod to uh, to her over some other uh, great and much more experienced actresses who I should feel guilty for not giving awards to.
2: Yes, I, once again, I have not seen any of these, uh, so I'm just going to give it to Maggie Smith because she's cool.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah,
2: that's very professional and absolutely not a bullshit way to... Continue my Emmy picks. Okay, next we have Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series, and the nominees are Jane Lynch um, as Sue Sylvester on Glee, Betty White from Hot in Cleveland, um, Jetty, uh, Julie Bowen and Sofia Vergara from Modern Family, Kristen Wiig from SNL, and Jane Krakowski from Thirty Rock.
1: I love Kristen Wiig, but I I don't think of her. What I've seen of her work on SNL hasn't blown me away. I think that she. Needs to get the hell out of television And keep doing films Because she was so great in Bridesmaids Shockingly great in Bridesmaids actually um, So for here I'm going to have to give it to Vergara Who out who out of the Female cast on Modern Family Most consistently cracks me up
2: Yeah I'm giving it to Sofia Vergara as well I'm, She's always hilarious Her comedic timing is perfect And she, she knows that character Inside and out um, And she does more with that character than I think most actresses would be able to so i think she's really great okay so next we have supporting actress in a drama series kelly mcdonald from boardwalk empire archie panjabi and christine baranski from the good wife margo martindale from justified michelle forbes from the killing and christina Hendricks from admin
1: This is a really, really strong set of actresses. In in particular, I love Kelly MacDonald. I always have, uh, even though I'm not crazy about her role on Boardwalk Empire. And, you know, I love both actresses on The Good Wife, even though, I mean, Christine Baranski basically does the Christine Baranski thing. And she's very good at it. Um, And I love Christina Hendricks, too. But, oh, my God, how badly does this need to go to Margot Martindale? For Justified, and I know you haven't seen it yet.
2: I, I haven't seen it yet, and she is still my pick. <laughs> I love her. She's been amazing for years, and she needs to get some love.
1: Yeah, and this—I mean—and she's usually—I mean—for—for—I mean—for as long as I can remember seeing her, she usually plays very genteel characters, and here she cuts that. Uh, she 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 cuts across her own image, uh, such as it is, uh, totally contrary, and she is an absolute menace. And she's—I mean—Justified season one has a very strong villain. Uh, But season two, I mean, Mags is just a force of nature and uh, I'm uh, she. Yeah, she's absolutely amazing. I was so happy to see her uh, get get the nod. And I'm really hoping that she'll win it, even though uh, I'm sure that she's she's got stiff competition. So we'll see what happens.
2: Yeah. Like I said, Margo Martindale, she's been you know, she's been amazing for years. And who knows the next time she's going to get this this great of a character to play. Mm -hmm. So I'm really pulling for her.
1: And now she's stuck on that awful series with Patrick Wilson. So, yeah, it,
2: it might be, it might not be awful. We haven't seen it yet. <laughs> Maybe it's amazing. Probably not. So next is lead actor in a miniseries or movie, and the nominees are Edgar Ramirez in um, Carlos, Greg Kinnear and Barry Pepper in The Kennedys, Idris Elba and Luther, Lawrence Fishburne in Thurgood, and William Hurt in Too Big to Fail.
1: Edgar, mother fucking B- Ramirez. Holy crap! This was not yes. only—I mean, I, you know, I haven't seen the other ones. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that was not—it doesn't—it
2: doesn't matter. <laughs> that was not only
1: the best performance in a miniseries or the best performance on television. That was the best performance in any medium I saw that yeah. year. He is incredible in that role.
2: I was waiting for him to get the Oscar for the the theatrical version of this yeah. that that came out that year, and he, he's he's freaking amazing, and he needs to win this.
1: That's all. <laughs> yeah, he's he's if he, if you haven't seen Carlos, find it in whatever format you can. I've only seen the six hour version, so I can't testify to how good the the uh, version that's half as long is. Mm-hmm. But man, he is incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Um, Next category is lead actor in a comedy series. We have Jim Parsons and Johnny Galecki from The Big Bang Theory, Matt LeBlanc um, from Episodes, Louis C.K. from Louis, Steve Carell from The Office, and Alec Baldwin in 30 Rock.
1: This this category pains me because as much as I want to give Louis C.K. as many awards as he can get, even he'll acknowledge that he's not a very good actor. And, um, you know, he even themes an entire episode around the fact that he's not a very good actor. He's so much stronger as a writer and a director and in virtually every other, ha- and, and actually even in the second season of Louis, he's an improved actor. I mean, here he's getting nominated for the first season where he's, where he's not as good. Um, so in terms of male, I think in terms of male comedic actors, doing their best work, I think Alec Baldwin, I I have to give it to him just because. Not I, I, Because I have some weird Sympathy reserve for Alec Baldwin that I'm not sure Why I even need but um, He he always I, I don't often Watch 30 Rock but whenever I do uh, He's he's one of the greatest joys that I have Watching it
2: um, I, I hear what you're saying but I think it's Steve Carell's turn um, Alec Baldwin Has already gotten several awards For this and lots of praise and Steve Carell Has this is his last chance And he's really made that show work for the past You know however many seasons Yeah, I agree. Louis C.K., I would love to give him as many awards as possible, but this is one where, you know, we can agree that he, you know, he doesn't really deserve this one as great as he is.
1: And I think even he must know that it's somewhat ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Anyways, uh, next category, we have Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. So Steve Buscemi in Boardwalk Empire, Michael C. Hall from Dexter, Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights, Hugh Laurie from House. Timothy Oliphant from Justified and John Hamm from Mad Men.
1: Can I just give two awards to Kyle Chandler and Timothy Oliphant? Because they're they're both doing great things in, in in totally different ways. Um I mean I love Steve Buscemi, but I don't think he's a great series lead. I've long since given up on Dexter. And I mean I don't think Hugh Laurie needs any more acclaim. Or John Hamm for that matter.
2: Hugh Laurie has not won yet. Really? He's been nominated, but he has not won. <sighs> See, that makes well because. Again, this is the year when um, Brian Cranston can't win, so...
1: Right. Um, I mean, I, I'm even tempted to give something to Laurie just because he's he's so great on a show that really isn't, and that's a really difficult thing to have to do every year. Um, uh, I mean, between Chandler and Oliphant, I guess Chandler's doing the heavier lifting, so I'll give it to him, but I really I, I want to give Oliphant credit for just uh, sheer charisma.
2: Yeah, in what should be a difficult category, this one was pretty easy for me, because I haven't seen Justified, and I haven't seen Boardwalk Empire either, and all of these actors that I have seen are fantastic in their roles, but Kyle Chandler gets this one for me, hands down, because his performance is so naturalistic, and so reserved, and so underplayed in the most perfect way. I think he really deserves this award. He had... Probably his best season of, of the series in this last year. It's his last chance to get a nomination or, or win. So I think it has to go to Kyle Chandler.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of it will be sticking around.
2: Not that it will go to Kyle Chandler. Uh, there's no way he's gonna actually win, but it would be nice if he did.
1: <laughs> do, you, do you think it's gonna be? Well, who do you think it's gonna be?
2: I, you know what? Probably I think it's gonna go to John Hamm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, it's a, it's a strong field, but. Yeah, I would. I would like it to go to to Kyle Chandler, but I would. I would expect John Hamm. Who Who do you think's going to walk away with it? Uh,
1: I think either Ham or. I mean, they're always very friendly with Michael C. Hall. It also. It, it depends on how nice they are to Boardwalk Empire, which is a show that I quickly lost uh, my patience with. So we'll see.
2: Um, next, we have a uh, lead actress in a miniseries or movie: Diane Lane from *Cinema Verite*, Elizabeth McGovern from *Downton Abbey*. Kate Winslet from Mildred Pierce, Taraji P. Henson from Taken For Me, The Tiffany Rubin Story, and Jean Marsh from Upstairs Downstairs. So should we just uh, hand this one right to Kate Winslet?
1: Yes, let's move on. Yeah, it's the only one I've, I've seen, and she's so, 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 so great in it, and she's always great. So yes, please give her more awards.
2: Yep, Kate Winslet. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Lead actress in the comedy series. Laura Linney in The Big C, Melissa McCarthy in Mike and Molly, Edie Falco in Nurse Jackie, Amy Poehler in Parks and Rec, Martha Plimpton in Raising Hope, and Tina Fey in 30 Rock. Uh,
1: you know, I was really impressed with uh, Poehler's work in the last two seasons of, of Parks and Rec. I, I, I wasn't sure about her anchoring a series, and I think she's she's done really uh, great work uh, in terms of convincing me otherwise, so i got to give it to her.
2: She's doing a similar thing. To, to Tina Fey in 30 Rock as far as anchoring the show but she has grown Leslie Nope in a way that Fey has not grown Liz Lemon and as much as I enjoy uh, Martha Plimpton as well I think she's a, lo- a hell of a lot of fun on Raising Hope I just think the writing that they're giving her is not really allowing for the same depth as Amy Poehler so yeah I think this one should go to Amy Poehler Next, we have Outstanding uh, Lead Actress in a Drama Series, and the nominees are Connie Britton from Friday Night Lights, Juliana Margulies from The Good Wife, Kathy Bates from Harry's Law, Mireille Anos from The Killing, and Mishka Hargitay from Law & Order SVU, and Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Britton, Margulies, and Moss are all great, although I find it confusing that Moss is nominated in this and not supporting actress. But anyway, uh, it's going to go to Britton. I mean, she's never going to get another another shot at this. And I, I, I love Margulies on The Good Wife, but come on.
2: Yeah, I think this has to go to. I mean, it. it I don't. Again, I don't think it will. I think it'll go to uh, Julianne Margulies, just because so many more people watch her, and the Emmys seem to love her as well. But, um, Connie Britton on that Friday Night Lights. So I think you know between between Connie Britton and Kyle Chandler, they've made one of if not the best um, married couple in the history of television, and the realism and the the heart and depth to that character they're all in Connie Britton's performance so I think she's amazing
1: yep totally
2: next we have outstanding variety music or comedy series the nominees are the Colbert Report Conan Daily Show with Jon Stewart Late Night with Jimmy Fallon Real Time with Bill Maher and SNL
1: for me again same same caveat as before with the music but yeah Daily Show I guess for you it's Colbert
2: yep same same discussion as earlier. All so right. Fair <laughs> enough. Moving on. We have Outstanding Variety uh, Music or Comedy Special. The nominees are Bette Midler, The Showgirl Must Go On, Carrie Fisher in Wishful Drinking, The Kennedy Center Honors, Lady Gaga Presents the Monster Ball Tour at Madison Square Garden, and The Pee Wee Herman Show on Broadway. Now, have you actually seen any of these?
1: <laughs> I haven't, but I'm going to give it to Carrie Fisher for Surviving uh 30 years of Star Wars fans.
2: I'm going to go with Lady Gaga, I guess. She puts on a hell of a show. So, next we have outstanding miniseries or movie. The nominees are Cinema Verite, Downton Abbey, The Kennedys, Mildred Pierce, Pillars of the Earth, and Too Big to Fail.
1: Well, default winner for me is Mildred Pierce. I mean, uh, it's it's an absolute shame that Carlos isn't in there.
2: Yeah, my my pick is Carlos. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, fair enough.
2: Uh, but I, I'm giving it to Downton Abbey. I, again, I haven't seen any of these, so just based on buzz and the fact that I'm not particularly interested in, in the story of Mildred Pierce, you know, why not throw some love to Downton Abbey? All right. So Next we have uh, Outstanding Reality Competition Program. The nominees are The Amazing Race, American Idol, Dancing with the Stars, Project Runway, So You Think You Can Dance, and Top Chef. Do you watch any of these shows?
1: I watch Top Chef, and I occasionally I'll occasionally catch The Amazing Race. I mean, they're 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 both so formulaic that it's it's hard for me to gauge which is necessarily better. I, I guess I'll give it to Top Chef. Why the hell not?
2: I watch The Amazing Race and Top Chef, and so my pick is The Amazing Race because I think it's a fantastic show. I you know it's one of the few that I look forward to following week to week yeah i would be happy with amazing race or top chef or really with so you think you can dance so Mm
1: -hmm. just not am idol
2: not american idol not dancing with the stars
1: all right good basically
2: (laughs) okay so we're at the final two we have outstanding comedy series the nominees are big bang theory glee modern family the office parks and rec and 30 rock
1: for me the choice is easy parks and recreation i think it just had a stellar season and uh, I, I think it, it's it's holding up in a way that uh, that The Office uh, didn't. I mean, it's not as far along in its run, but I think it's got the momentum. I think it's going to keep being great for, for quite a while. The cast is fantastic. Uh, the writing is fantastic. And I think the, uh, the pathos humor balance is in, a, is in a really good place. So yes, Parks and Rec all the way.
2: Yes, absolutely. Parks and Rec is my pick as well. And um, my only thing with this category is that better not go to glee because glee did not have a good season if it goes to parks i'd like it to go to parks and rec i don't really anticipate that if it goes to modern family you know i can live with that because it was a pretty solid season but yeah it just better not go to glee
1: yeah i totally agree
2: um and then finally we have outstanding drama series the nominees are boardwalk empire dexter friday night lights game of thrones the good wife and mad men
1: Uh, To me, if either... I mean, I would love it if Friday Night Lights won. I don't think it's going to happen. I would be very excited and happy if Game of Thrones won uh, because I think it's a great series and it's also got a lot of popular support and it's a genre show in a very serious way. So it'd be exciting to watch it win. Uh, That being said, if I had to pick one... uh, Come on, Friday Night Lights. Come on. It's got to be Friday Night Lights.
2: Yeah, once again, Friday Night Lights. I think it's an amazing show. They had a great season and it... Absolutely deserves to win. I don't think it will win. I think it'll go to The Good Wife. Um, but I would be, I would be happy for Fred lights or Game of Thrones to win. Um, or actually, no, it'll probably go to Mad Men. So, uh, sorry, it's been a while since you the, think so. Well, they they love to give the award to Mad Men. It's been they do. You know, for the past several years running. But but yeah, Fred Lights deserves it this year. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are our uh, Emmy picks. Quite a few categories. A lot of it took longer than I anticipated, <laughs> but I guess you know it's a lot of, a lot of awards to run down. We forgot to do this last week, but we should let people know how they can get in touch with us. We have an, an email for the for the podcast at it's uh, theteleverse at gmail.com. So send us your thoughts um, about you know anything that's going on in TV or the Emmys or you know anything you have uh, questions or comments for to for the podcast they send them there and we're both on Twitter I'm at the televerse you are
1: at sucker howl
2: and uh, I we we love feedback right (laughs) I know I do we
1: do yeah, you do. I mean, I'm okay with it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. If you want,
2: um, this will be up, of course, on soundonsite.org, so you can leave comments there if you'd like to start some conversation. And then, of course, we are we have our um, our podcast feed up on iTunes, so you can subscribe there, or leave a comment uh, or a rating if you'd like. And yeah. yes,
1: please please rate the show. We would rate or review the show. It would be great for us.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're just we're just starting out, so you know, it'll be hard for people. To find us, first of all, there, I don't know how many people are interested in TV in the way that we are. Um, so there's, we will probably start with a small pool of people interested in our topic uh, of conversation to begin with. But then, you know, it's going to take some a while for people to find us. So if you like the podcast, then tell your friends, put, you know, put on Facebook uh, or you know, like, you know, follow us on Twitter or retweet or any of that stuff. It'd be great to to try to build a bit of a base so we can talk with you guys and mm-hmm. really share what we like about TV. So.
1: Awesome. I think that's it.
2: Yeah, we're going to go to uh, another break here and come back with David Bax from previously on and Battleship Pretension talking Buffy on the DVD shelf. This was a, this was a, it was a lot of fun, I think, having him on. So mm-hmm. uh, we're going to try to get him back on in the future. I think we're, we're, we are have some plans brewing for that, but uh, we'll be right back after this. <laughs>
1: You people just leave me alone
0: because you are the slayer into each generation a slayer is born one girl in all the world a chosen one one born with, with a strength, strength and skill to, to hunt the, the vampires, vampires to stop the spread of their evil blah 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 I've heard it okay I really don't understand this attitude you've you've accepted your duty if you've, you've slain vampires before yeah and I've both been there and done that and I'm moving on what do you know about this term it's two hours in the freeway from Neiman Marcus. Dig a bit in the history of this place, and you'll find a, uh, a steady stream of fairly odd occurrences. I believe this whole area is a center of mystical energy. The things gravitate towards it that, that, that you might not find elsewhere. Like vampires, like zombies, werewolves, incubi, succubi. You Everything you've ever dreaded was under your bed, but told yourself couldn't be by the light of day. They're all real. What? You like sent Way for the Time-Life series? Uh, yes get the free phone
1: um the calendar
2: cool welcome back it's time for our selection from the dvd shelf, and this week i'm here to talk buffy is david backs from battleship Retention and previously on thanks for coming on the show david
0: thank you for having me
2: so buffy what is it you know you've said on your show several times that this is one of if not your favorite series of all time so what is it about buffy that that inspires such passion
0: it is my favorite TV series of all time. And I think a big part of it is the personal reasons, just uh, and personal tastes, you know, just, uh, you know, I like vampires and fighting and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but I also think it's one of the best uses of television, you know, in the television season and series overall as a storytelling format, you know, in a way that's that's different from movies like people. A lot of people credit The Wire as their favorite show of all time. And The Wire's is a fantastic achievement. But The Wire took novel format or film format and just made it bigger and longer on TV. And that's why I prefer things like Buffy, because each season there's a main story, both, you know, a big story about whatever the big bad is. And then there's also a thematic story. And that lasts the whole season almost every one of the 22 episodes in the season is also a self-contained either story or riff on a sort of theme or metaphor or emotion or something. And so uh, I guess what I'm getting at is that to me, the the television, the kind of television that I prefer is the kind of television that, that tells a series of small stories to tell a big story. And I think Buffy did that better and more to my taste than any show I've ever seen.
2: That's an important distinction. I think the, structural difference between TV and film and what makes the medium unique. I did an article for Sound On Sight recently about condensed timeline TV shows and how, while it's an interesting way to to approach television, it really changes what television as a medium is and what it does and how it's sort of difficult to compare other series that are more episodic, like Buffy, to shows that take place, you know, in a week (laughs) for <laughs> over a course of an entire series, you know, because right. it's it's such a different art form, you know, and so I, I absolutely see where you're coming from. I love Buffy as well. It's probably my favorite television show. It's definitely the one that made me passionate about television as an art form, and it's the the earliest one that I can remember sitting down every week, having to know what happened, looking around, trying to find a friend who also watched it so that I could talk about it with them, that sort of a thing. I know, Simon, you are recent to Buffy. You just just caught a few, you know, some of, well, a lot of, actually, the series in preparation for this DVD shelf. So what do you think of it?
1: Well, my uh, recent history with Buffy was maybe about uh, a month ago, if you'd asked me, I would have grimaced at you had you mentioned it, Be- just because the cult of Whedon has always been a strange and alienating beast to me. So I've, I've always sort of, for no particularly good reason, always been suspicious of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, that being said, I sat down with it for the first time a couple weeks ago and uh, was uh, n- annoyed to find out that I really enjoyed it. I think that the, the 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 first two seasons and then the show that follows are quite different. At least from what I've seen so far, the first two seasons, especially the second season, I think is problematic in terms of the episodes being quite repetitive, although there are some standouts for sure. I think starting with the third season and maybe it's due to a budget increase or maybe it's due to the new writing squad that shows up, uh, but I think that the uh, the third season is fantastic and since then it's been good to great varying here and there. Right right now I am midway through the 5th season and I'm very I'm very much looking forward to seeing where it goes from here.
2: I think mentioning the the writing staff is important in any discussion of Buffy. For me this is the first series and one of the few that has prompted me to become a fan of particular writers of of television episodes like i i have like a top five of my favorite buffy writers yeah i, I mean is that is that is that just me david any, you know anything like that for you no
0: i mean buffy is sort of where uh i knew learned the name jane espenson and she's now you know uh an ex- she was an executive producer on on caprica which when it was good was good and when it was bad was really not good she's written you know episodes of torch this torchwood miracle day she was a co-writer on just the one they aired just last night um so yeah certainly her and then uh david greenwald who would go on to co-produce angel and he's got you know he's got a new show coming out and all sorts of all sorts of names
2: mm-hmm. another big one for me is david fury who is i think is particularly notable to other genre fans for having written walkabout uh, one of the i would say the best episodes of lost's entire run yeah and I mean, you haven't gotten there yet, but uh, when you get to the musical episode, he's the guy with the mustard on his shirt. So
1: <laughs> I am under specific. I'm under specific instructions. I've had I had some friends over to watch some of the episodes a couple days ago. Uh, huge Buffy fans who were very happy to rewatch it, and I'm under specific instructions not to watch once more with feeling without them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you guys are like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We kind of are.
0: <laughs> Another thing that. Uh, personal reason that i like buffy and that buffy got me into tv in general is that i've always been you know a film buff but i never was into the sort of community like film buff community i think i liked movies because it was part of it was sitting in a dark room alone and not having to talk to people (laughs) and i discovered buffy and pretty much tv in general when i started college and i had friends who would get together every tuesday to watch buffy and angel and so this this thing you're talking about, Simon, about how they want you know you to watch it with them, is a big part of why I like Buffy and, and how how Buffy made me think of TV. I approach it as a fan differently than I approach film as well. There's a there's a community aspect. I love you know I love going into work Monday morning and talking to the other guys in my work who watch Breaking Bad, you know, right now uh, about last night's episode. That's an important thing, a sort of milestone for me at least that Buffy was responsible for.
2: Yeah, when I was in undergrad, we had Buffy nights as well, and we we all get together. Mondays were Buffy nights, and we would just pile through episode after episode. And that communal element that you get when you watch a show like this that has that is that frequently engenders a really rabid fandom from those who get into it is really fun, and it's I think it's unique to television. The only thing I could compare it to is. When uh, you know, like the, the Harry Potter series, or maybe the Game of Thrones series, other book series where you don't know, you know, you have there's installments, and you come back after a week later to watch the next one, or a year later in, in the case of novels or something. But just that that element of speculation. Um, you now, one of the things that Buffy does that I appreciate is that each of the seasons, for the most part, are intact themselves. They're not there aren't really cliffhangers at the end of seasons, so you know, if something had happened and it had gotten cancelled at the end of any of its seasons, really, it could have ended. Um and that's something I appreciate.
0: Yeah, that's um a thing that I guess Joss whedon is is known for that um you know he's not the kind of guy who is doing what you know uh Lindelof and Qs at lost were claiming they were doing, which is planning the whole series from the beginning. But he uh, he does, on his shows, before they start writing the season, plans out the story for the season and, and sort of the major points. And the individual episodes in between them, you know, can change and shift. But he he knows before he starts a season what the season is and at what point in it they're going to hit these milestones.
1: Now, since we're talking season structure, and you already mentioned, uh, David, that it's more or less baddie per season, you know, there's a, there's a big bad to more or less every season. Uh, do you guys have a particular favorite villain? Because I have to say that midway through season five, I'll be very surprised if anyone can best uh, the mayor from season three. Yeah, the mayor is my is my favorite as well.
2: I'd agree. I think uh, Harry Greener, I think he's fantastic as the mayor. And one of the things that I really enjoy about Buffy is the amount of depth that is usually given to the season-long villains. So I think there was a lot of great depth to both um, Angelus and Spike and the Master, sorry, <laughs> the Master first, and then Spike and Drizella and, and Angelus, but more than any other character in a villainous role, the mayor's and his relationship with Faith, I think, gives the series a humanity uh, that makes it far more interesting than most of the other big bad kind of shows that you get out there.
0: Yeah, and I I also like that uh, the mayor is... Um... I'm trying not to spoil, I guess, for people, who, assuming people who haven't watched it have listened, but he's not, um, like, Spike and Drusilla are obviously monsters, you know, they're vampires a lot of the time, whereas uh, the mayor is maybe supposed to represent more what true evil would look like in real life, like it has power, but it doesn't seem evil, you know, it's all, mm-hmm. it's all sort of under the, under the surface and very sort of friendly and genial.
1: Do uh do you guys feel like and I'm, I I could be imagining this, but it feels like the perception on Buffy has sort of shifted over the last 10 years since it ended. Feels like where people think of it in terms of the TV pantheon has has shifted favorably over time.
2: I would agree. I would say, well, I I think that people who watched it with you know, an open mind when it was on could see how, how good it was. But, you know, it's a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it's a show that frankly, I'm tired of people who aren't critics, uh, who don't have as much, you know, experience with the television landscape giving me crap for loving the series based on its title. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, not long after it, it ended, it was already starting to, be well received and now it's one of the most I would say influential series for people who have become television showrunners and creators since it's since it ended like I know it's a big inspiration to for example Russell T Davies who our listeners may know as the man who restarted Doctor Who Mm -hmm. and I know Shonda Rhimes is a big fan as well the creator of Grey's Anatomy but yeah it's it's really I think it's a lot of fun to be able to, you know, if somebody looks at you cross-eyed when you say you like Buffy, you can pull out. Well, it was on the TV Guide Top Fifty Shows of All Time. It was in Time's Top One Hundred TV Shows of All Time. So, back off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta have the like the uh, the ego that I have to say, you know, it's good because I say so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to show you any
1: lists? I, I'm telling you, it's good. Now, since you guys are the aficionados, mm-hmm. could you could either one of you dare try to give me a top five episodes or something like that?
2: Yes, <laughs> David.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, you go first. I'm gonna think about
0: it.
2: Okay. Um. This you, you didn't warn us about this, Simon. So this is impromptu. But let's see. Let's do a. I'm gonna do a self-imposed limit of two per season. So that's gonna have to be the body. Uh, from season five, uh, I think one of the best episodes of television ever made. The hu- I'm sorry, Hush from season four, and then I'll also throw in Restless from season four, which is the season finale, which is a dream episode and I think is fantastic. Um, let's give Jane Espenson some, lo- Espenson some love with, uh, I'll give her the Jane Espenson category tie of Earshot and Bane Candy. Two of my favorite episodes from season three, and then for sheer drama and a villain paying off in a way I didn't expect it to. Let's go season two's But its passion when we see. Uh,
0: yeah.
2: Uh, let's just say a particular character live up to his hype as a villain.
0: Yeah.
2: So, David, how about you?
0: Um, I, I, th- I mean, oh wait, I find I'm they're... sorry, I forgot the oh. musical.
2: I love the musical.
0: <laughs> this is the
2: trouble. This is the problem with Buffy. There are too many great episodes. Um, oh man. Okay, go ahead. I'll think about that. Uh,
0: I think when you ask Buffy fans their favorite episodes, there tend to be a lot of um, overlap. Restless is also my favorite episode of all time. Um, and then there's there's the body, and also second passion. Um and then my two sort of uh different ones uh, um both sort of comedic episodes but also very telling uh in terms of character growth growth is um season three is the zeppo uh-huh. yes uh, yes great yeah. episode and then one you haven't gotten to yet simon season six is uh T'bila rasa. oh
2: that's a good one too
0: yeah it's Rasa it, it might to might be the funniest episode of the whole <laughs> whole series, and that 's saying something.
2: Yeah. Oh man, that's the uh, memory wipe episode, Simon. That's one of the things yeah. that I think is actually. It, it reminds me in a way of Friday Night Lights, the the series, in that Friday Night Lights often would have an episode where it's like, okay, I guess this episode is going to be the you know drinking episode, or this episode is going to be the mom and daughter have the sex talk episode, or the abortion <laughs> episode, or something like that, where they're these standard, you know, sort of movie of the week um or after school special sort of topics that they address but they do them so well that i don't care that it's you know a standard high school well there there's
0: one exception one exception to that mm-hmm. uh season 4's beer bad <laughs> that is that's uh, also if you ask buffy fans for their least favorite episodes beer bad tends to come up a lot
2: see i don't have a problem with beer bad i think it's worth <laughs> it just to see something happen with a character i really don't like and a club but I'm going
1: to, I'm going to agree that that's not a very good episode, Um, (laughs) but that does, but you know, all these mentions of episodes and I might say that Kate, you were frighteningly prepared for that question, even though I (laughs) didn't tell you I was going to ask it um, (laughs) is I, I I love the way that uh, Whedon and his writers find excuses to mess with all of their characters at once and really play around with the dynamics between them, usually with something supernatural, and it's something that i don't remember seeing to this degree a, a whole lot and it's, and, and it's often very funny but it it's also used to explore the various interpersonal dynamics in a really interesting way uh, for instance you mentioned band candy and that's a, that's a great example
2: yeah the uh it's it's one of the things that you quickly learn being a fan of joss Whedon's shows uh so this happens of course in angel and i'm sure would have come up more in firefly had it lasted longer you, you can't really when all of the everybody on the show is happy or all of the couples are functional you have to start worrying because you know that something's gonna happen to to upturn the apple cart because he he there, there are some great, you know, examples like you mentioned, Band Candy, where they kind of shake things up, and then it's mostly resolved by the end of the episode. Another example might be um, the replacement when Xander gets a a double. Um, but more, even more than comedically, he tends to. He just, I don't cry <laughs> at any other show the way that I do on Buffy because he just breaks your heart. And it's because he makes you care about the characters and the, all the writers and the actors as well. They make you really care about these characters. And so any anything that they go through, any particularly painful experiences that they share, you really feel it.
1: Well, you, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because even though I'm I'm in the middle of season five and I uh, I was ordered to skip ahead and watch The Body, which I did, and I, although I did know that was coming, unfortunately through through cultural osmosis, I know uh-huh. most of the major plot points of the series. Still, in a in a strange way, I still think the most affecting thing in the whole show is is that is there's a scene at the end of season one where um, where Buffy is about to be faced with what she thinks is her imminent demise, and she deals with that in a very realistic teenage way, and. I and, and it's very it's a very vulnerable moment and to me it's still the truest little piece of of uh i don't i don't i don't want to say sentimentality let's go for emotionality um that i've seen in the series
2: yes that's towards the end of the season one finale prophecy girl and when we when we were talking about you know when you mentioned yeah there was a scene in prophecy girl that i really liked i knew exactly what you were talking about because i think it's i think it's a great moment Mm -hmm. and that's actually i think it highlights something i don't think sarah michelle gellar gets enough credit as an actress because i think she's phenomenal at certain points in this series she's not always amazing i don't think i don't know that it's particularly in like season seven i don't know that she's given as much to really do but there are many moments i think of brilliance from her as an actress um is that just my love of Buffy overall speaking, or would, would you agree, David? Uh,
0: I, I actually disagree. I think about um, season six and seven, I think, are some of his her stronger and more subtle stuff. Because, and again, I don't want to spoil stuff, because um, these aren't major plot points, but season six and seven sort of explore things about Buffy as a character that are, you know, less than... Pleasant, like you know, her, mm-hmm. her, her, her—the negative parts of herself—and she shows a uh, surprising lack of ego in portraying those parts of of Buffy very, very clearly and very well.
2: Yeah, I, th- I hear you're gonna like season six, Simon, because that's when it gets dark and twisty. And apparently, <laughs> you're a fan of dark and twisty.
1: That's what everyone's been saying. Everyone, oh, wait for season six. You're gonna be so happy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, you're going to you're going to be happy as as long as what makes you happy is nobody else being happy <laughs> because uh, yeah, season 6 <laughs> is uh is kind of a bummer, but it's a, it's 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 good and it's also risen in my estimation with every sort of uh rewatch.
2: Yeah, I have a feeling that season 6 is one that plays better on DVD than it did week to week when you had a full week to sort of think about all these Terrible things that are, you know, the poor life choices and unfortunate, you know, happenstance and such that keep happening to these characters that you care about. Mm. Um, in a similar way, I think to mention Angel for a moment here, uh, Angel's fourth season is really serialized. And that's one that I think plays a lot better on DVD than week to week. But yeah, let's let's talk for a moment about some of these other actors and characters. We've mentioned Buffy, but this is... And this is one of the reasons that I'm so excited to see what Joss Whedon does with the Avengers. I think he's fantastic at working with large ensemble casts.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and also humanizing characters who have, like, a, a frankly, you know, ridiculous backstory. Um,
1: <laughs> Anya? <laughs>
0: my personal, my my favorite character is Anya. And, and it is it, yeah, it's ridiculous. She was a human and then was turned into a demon for a thousand years and then turned back into a human... Uh, and
2: into a teenage girl in high school, yeah, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, like, that's just so, that's crazy, and yet, uh, and sort of, certainly uh, credit goes to Emma Caulfield as well uh, for a great performance, but being able to make that not only believable, but also kind of a heartbreaking at times, and, and hilarious, is, uh, yeah, that's... I, 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 I had, sorry, I ran out of steam in that sentence.
1: Um, you know, I, I'm going to give credit to someone that probably no one will else will ever want to give credit to in their life, and that's Michelle Trachtenberg, um, because when I I knew that 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 the that the Don plot point was coming, and I thought, who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> and <laughs> because you know, the, adding a kid is just like the just, is on paper always the worst idea ever. Um, that being said, I think she did a great job in making that character in minimizing the annoying aspects of that character as much as possible. Although I know she does still annoy a lot of people.
2: Um, as great as I would, as I think that Michelle Trachtenberg is as Dawn, I think she, the actress is very good in, in the role. I would, I'd be interested to check back in with you after season six to see how you feel about the character. Okay. she, she doesn't necessarily, I don't know. Would you agree, David? I don't think she really fares that well in season six.
0: Uh, no, but I do think, uh, I, I was actually surprised to hear you say that, Simon, because I think Michelle Trachtenberg, well, yeah, while Dawn is not anyone's favorite in season six, I think Michelle Trachtenberg grows into the role uh, in a way. So I was kind of kind of surprised to hear that you like her already
1: in season five. Yep. Maybe it's just that she she adds something to the, to the character dynamics that wasn't previously there, that I'm enjoying, and I, I guess I'm just impressed at at how unannoying the character is in general, because on it, it just seemed like such an awful idea to me.
2: Well, and it's a very seamless introduction of what should be a completely confusing and really a terrible character. They do they handle that decision very well, and I think it really. Adds to the the strength of the series, especially because Joss knew he wanted to kill off. To beep. Um, so sorry, I guess I should put a spoiler alert in there.
0: <laughs> Whoops.
2: Uh, but 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 he was traveling, so she wasn't going to be around for season four. But he made sure to to ch- you know, th- that she was coming back because he knew he wanted to kill her off in season five. And so, if they hadn't introduced Dawn, then I think they wouldn't have been able to. To do that is as, as well because the whole you know family element of the show would have been lost. I mean, yes, they build their own family amongst friends, but you know having that actual literal familial connection, I think, is is important, at least to the character, if not the entire series.
0: Riffing on the word family, I mean, I feel like we I, I haven't talked I've talked about why I like the show in terms of what it is for TV, but I haven't really talked about what the what the theme of Buffy is. And I feel you know it's um it's and it's really kind of a, like a lot of other shows. It's about a bunch of people who work together. You know, it's Barney Millie, Barney Miller, or 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 Taxi, or whatever. You know, and uh, so all those shows, and this is a like common thing in TV, are about sort of the uh, created families that you have in your life. You know, people you depend on. But Buffy, I think, is more about that and, and explores that more deeply than maybe any other show. The idea that you know you've got the people who are your blood family, but then you've got the the families that you create for yourself, and that that's a necessary thing you know i i I was talking earlier about my film fandom and how I you know wanted to go it alone, and t v taught me to appreciate things as a community. And maybe Buffy is part of the reason that I appreciate things as a community because it's about how you, you need other people. Uh, I think that's that's sort of the main, um, the main theme of the show is that Buffy is the best, probably the best Slayer that's ever been, and likely to live longer than all the other Slayers because she doesn't try to do it on her own the way the Watchers Council would have her do it
2: yes i'd agree it's a strong theme throughout the it's probably that along with the the female empowerment element Mm -hmm. to to the show are the two strongest themes running throughout the series and then of course it's also dealt with very directly and in a i would say excellent season five episode family dealing with you know the when who your family really is and what if any significance blood actually has um in that choice so mm-hmm. and then of course with amber you know, featuring amber benson as tara who i think is is wonderful as well
0: F- family also features amy adams right
2: yep yes it does. does like
0: one scene two scenes yeah
2: <laughs> yeah i was gonna mention that next it's fun to play spot the guest star uh in in buffy a bit you know cal Penn shows up in beer bad and
1: yeah and poor then... guy
2: <laughs> that is rather rather unfortunate i suppose well I think I feel, I could talk about Buffy all day, but, uh, (laughs) and I, 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 maybe I'm not alone here, David. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, but we should probably wrap this up. Um, are there any, you know, there's a lot we didn't get to, but are there any particular things that you guys would like to, to mention, uh, David?
0: Uh, I mean, I, uh, I talked about the, the, the main theme, which is the sort of thing I came in wanting to to talk about, um, so I'm not really sure. Again, come back to me like on the favorite episodes thing.
2: <laughs> okay, cool. Simon, go. Uh,
1: well, I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm still in the middle of my watch. I'm also I've also been catching up on, on some other series, so it's it's been a real whirlwind. Um, but I, I must say, I'm very curious to see where it goes from here. And when it's done, I'll I'll consider uh, a run through Angel, which I guess I actually might have to do at some point. Uh, and and who knows maybe even firefly Uh, what about dollhouse is that worth doing or not Uh, i never even finished it to be honest
2: yeah it has i mean it's a discussion for another time probably there's some actually really strong episodes but i would definitely put that below the other series like i would put that strongly below the other series you haven't watched firefly yet no only 13 episodes or
1: (laughs) yeah but it's 14
2: 14, sorry 14
1: (laughs) I told you I was avoiding the cult of Whedon
2: oh fair enough that's okay you can you can watch that one next because if you think Buffy is addictive Firefly you're just gonna sit down and then realize it's the next day and you're late for work and you've watched them all Mm -hmm. at least based on my experience
1: Firefly is is in a way scarier because it combines the cult of Whedon with its close associate the cult of (laughs) (laughs) Philion.
2: Well, and he shows up here in season seven as well. And uh, I rewatched the se- uh, series finale of this in, in preparation for this conversation. And I, you know, I've, well, the first time through, I didn't have as much enjoyment of his character, the character he plays. Um, but this time, you know, knowing philian better as an actor, seeing him in more things, I, re- I really enjoy him in his brief stint in season seven. But um,
0: speaking of series finales, and speaking of. Uh, Angel, Simon, you should watch Angel you should watch all five seasons if only for the fact that not fade away is the greatest series finale in the history of television.
1: That's that's as someone who just started watching The Shield again, that's a controversial statement. See, you know, The Shield I know this is getting us off topic,
0: but I think the second to last episode of The Shield is actually where all the 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 magic, where the fireworks are. And I thought, hmm. I thought the last episode of the shield was good, but it was kind of denouement.
1: Mm. Maybe.
2: <laughs> um, I, I, unfortunately, and Simon does this, I haven't caught up with the shield yet. That's going to be, um, that's going to be one coming up here for me pretty soon.
0: Oh, uh, speaking of the shield, uh, Sean Ryan wrote on season two okay. of angel. So,
2: but I definitely have to agree with David. Uh, the c- series finale of angel is phenomenal. And it's, unfortunately it's, much better than the series finale of Buffy, I would say, but yeah, it's, it's, if not the best series finale ever, it's definitely in the conversation, it's really strong, so, and I'm not even worried about overhyping it for you with that statement, so, (laughs) (laughs) um, the, the last, and I'll I'll come back to you, David, because, you know, you called last on this, um, (laughs) the last thing,
0: (laughs) no, you know what, let me, let me go, because you probably have something awesome to say to close out, oh, and... Oh
2: well, now there's pressure. Okay, <laughs> go for it.
0: I, I guess the thing uh, the, that I wanted to get to that didn't is something that you touched on, uh, or that we all touched on earlier. I guess the idea that there's um, a certain thing attached to the, just the name Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But you know the the high school age me who didn't watch Buffy when it was when it was on um, could have probably learned a lot about approaching any sort of art in general by just sitting down and watching it. Because it's not just the name, but maybe some people don't like the supernatural stuff. Maybe some people don't like the teen aspect or the high school aspect or the fact that it's about a girl or whatever, you know. I think watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer and realizing how great it is, despite whatever red flags it might throw up for your personal tastes, for me that opened a lot of doors to not... Not judging, I guess, not judging a book by its cover to be tried about it, but you know, to going into any sort of art form without uh, or 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 film or whatever without judging it by its its genre or its storyline.
2: Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. It does actually kind of connect with what my final point was going to be, which is probably going to get some at least laughs if not scorn from the two of you. But uh, (laughs) I strongly remember trying to. You know get I had one friend in high school who watched Buffy we were in film class together and you know we we shared our Buffy love but I would get crap from people all the time and so my description you know my description of it to my friends was always similar to my uh, uh, description of why I didn't have a problem with watching professional wrestling which is it's soap operas but then there's awesome fight scenes <laughs> so, like, it's Buffy is, it's, you know, teen, there's, there's a lot of teen melodrama there, but then there's a kick-ass fight scene, and then you get to see, you know, magic happen, and then underneath that all, if you want to see it there, there's unbelievable truth and honesty, and a, a hell of an interesting message, usually I would say it's a really strong and positive message that you can take away from it, so... You know if, if you can watch a family drama you can watch a, a teen drama but you could also watch one that has vampires and witches and werewolves and kick-ass fight scenes and sword duels and why wouldn't you pick that one so, <laughs> so i don't know that that's sort of my my two cents on it i would say people should you know anybody who's listening who hasn't already should check out buffy it's you know, it's kind of, it can be kind of slow going in the first season, I would say, but stick with it and you'll be rewarded. What do you guys think?
1: I actually, uh, it's funny because I actually prefer the first season to the second, but,
2: Blasphemy. but,
1: but I do, but I do, I do agree with you that it does get better, generally speaking, and, uh, that you should not be as prejudging as I was. Oh, I hate saying that. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, I, with every rewatch, go back and forth on where I rank season two, because um, this most recent time that I re- rewatched it, um, with my girlfriend who had never seen any Buffy before, season two was would have been way at the top of the ranking. I guess it just hits me differently at different, different points, because I see some of your problems with it, Simon, but I, I also think that... Um, Buffy's story within season two is so universal and it's so like, you know, it's John Hughes in a way with, uh, with vampires and stuff. But, uh, what was I, I, that was supposed to be just the preface to what I was actually going to say. And now I forgot what I was going to actually say. Oh, does it get better? Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, it's worth watching the whole series just for seasons three and four in particular, which are two of the best, uh, best seasons of television, I think ever. And, um, work is maybe an instruction book for how to make tv and tell stories on tv
2: so i you know there we go anybody listening if you haven't go check out buffy so david where can our listeners find you
0: my um weekly movie sort of discussion movie theory podcast is called battleship pretension and there's also a um, website BattleshipPretension.com, where we basically do reviews of Uh, new um, movies, mostly independent and foreign movies that are coming out every week, but also some studio stuff if the studio will allow me to go to a press screening. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And then um, TV, every week uh, my co-host Sean and I do a um, podcast called Previously On that's about the past week in TV, Uh, just sort of going chronologically through the week, talking about reviewing the shows um you, you kind of have to be i think pretty in tv to get into that one um but it's
2: uh <laughs> well you know we, we do a similar thing here so you know
0: right oh and then uh, uh com slash uh at the pretension
2: cool well thank you for listening everybody and come back next week for another episode of the televerse bye